Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan Shore, and we're going to talk about Jawbreaker. Dylan, have you ever accidentally murdered one of your best friends? No, I uh, have not, but I have enjoyed many Jawbreakers. (laughs) And also the film Jawbreaker, so it works on a, a few different levels. We'll talk about that and then some. First, we should talk about some other films. Usually I ask you what you've been watching, but I'm going to tell you what I've been watching because I just got a couple, man. Um, I watched a lot of TV is why I'm only going to talk about a few different movies. So I watched, uh, how do you feel about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? I like it a lot. I think it's very sweet and it's a fun um globetrotting movie like jumping from big places small places actually but like very grand and beautiful in their view yeah totally Uh, totally yeah that's one that sarah and i like to watch not saying like it's a perfect movie in any way but i do think it's shot quite well it looks Uh, great and i i love how much it's it's cinema you know what i mean like capital c the art of cinema cinematic yeah I, I really like it too. It was a rewatch for me as well. I think this is like the second, maybe third time that I've seen it. And every time I'm just like, yeah, I like this movie. It's too long. And by the time it like gets going. It could be what it is. Ben Stiller is also like, he just turns into a superhero at like, and then there's nothing but him being the coolest dude. So it, it suffers from starring Ben Stiller, directed by Ben Stiller. But other than that, I really like it. And I like Ben Stiller in the movie. He's like convincingly cool as fuck. Amazing. And uh, everyone at time uh, isn't, is it Adam Scott? It's, yeah, life. Adam Scott with a crazy ass beard. (laughs) Yeah, the beard. (laughs) So nuts. Yeah, so I like it a lot. Uh, What else? Oh, I, I watched a movie called Heart and Souls. Do you know this one? I do not. What if I told you you could watch a movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Kira Sedgwick and Alfre Woodard and a fucking uh, <laughs> Charles Grodin is in this movie. Is this yeah. the 90s? Like what? It's the late 80s. Okay. And, um, there's um it's so sweaty to even describe the details of this plot man they're heart and soul heart and souls plural that's very important because kira sedgwick elfrey woodard charles groden and uh one other person who is it it's 93 oh it is okay yeah that makes more sense because it's super high concept and these people all end up on a bus together and then the bus driver crashes the bus because he's looking down some lady's pants well he's driving in the from his vantage point at the bus he's like watching these people kind of fool around while they're driving and so he crashes the bus and then all the souls go into a baby that has just been born in the same traffic incident Uh uh-huh i'm reading this (laughs) so then that same bus driver comes back around 30 years later and tries to collect the souls 
what is happening right now? <laughs> the souls have to make Robert Downey Jr. fall in love with uh, the lady from Adventures in Babysitting. And uh, uh, the main girl, the babysitter, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, yeah, sorry. Um, but they have to keep explaining the plot like every five minutes. And it's very, 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 very bizarre. So if you're a fan of bizarre movies that don't work at all. Sounds crazy. It's nutso. It's really, truly bananas. Beautiful. That's what I got. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Okay. Any TV show you want to mention? Because I do have a TV show on mine. I've been... I might have talked about this elsewhere, but I've been watching uh, soap operas and loving the hell out of it. So I've been watching uh, Homeland and- I love that. Yeah, it is a soap opera, but you could also classify that as like a drama series. It's, but it is a fucking soap opera for sure. Dude, it's crazy to me that that ever got considered as prestige television. It's Yeah, so I stopped watching after- uh, have you did you watch it all no no because I, I can't handle more than like okay, okay. It, it takes a certain day like to watch that four or five i'm certainly not even there yet and it, it does just enough of the like dumb espionage stuff to keep me in but i have the best time laughing at the the soap opera nature of it because it's just a whoo it's a hot mess Ooh. man <laughs> yeah showtime's TV shows tend to veer in crazy directions like weeds took like crazy crazy story arcs that I was like why I think why even do this Genji Cohen owes some uh debt there man her shows all take bonkers turns <laughs> yes. yep. I, I love those ones too though man I damned if I didn't watch every episode of Weeds and I did not watch every episode I stopped after the kid killed um like the girl by the pool at the party oh yeah <laughs> something like that he killed someone I was like what the fuck Shane just killed some fucking girl what is or some guy what is going on how do you not want to watch the next episode after that I think it was that was a little... season finale yeah of course I, it was I was just like oh man this show's just losing me <laughs> yeah I mean I gotta be in for the loss is really what it is. You know what I mean? If the show is taking itself, I whatever. I'm Dexter's, not gonna no, Dexter's a soap opera, like really becomes a soap opera later on. Yeah, Dexter has two good seasons and a lot of bright colors. Four is really its only good season. One is tolerable. One is I like one because it's like a it's like a steamy crime novel. You know what I mean? Like That's an airport yeah, just yeah, kind yeah. of it's right on tone and uh whatever the one with john lithgow is you know john lithgow's the yeah. four yeah yeah, yeah that's the best what uh, have you been watching man okay i watched where'd it go here it is i watched because it's been a while so the movies have backed up uh, <laughs> yeah. uh let's see Su the new suicide squad sure um didn't care for it Done. <laughs> uh, um, and then did a uh Val Kilmer double feature with Ooh. Wonderland in the Doors. Ooh, yes, Wonderland. I think is his best performance by far because 
the character of John Holmes hits so many emotions throughout that movie sure. that he, Kilmer crushes it. Sure. The Doors, though, might be the best movie of overall, but it's Jim Morrison is such a one note guy. Like he's pretty much the same throughout the whole movie. He just gets a little wilder and wilder. Sure. But I don't know. It's like, I just think it's such a beautiful, aesthetically beautiful movie, The Doors. It's probably my favorite Oliver Stone. I, I don't know who said it, but somebody somewhere along the line said that Val Kilmer was like the biopic is made for Val Kilmer and Jim Morrison to exist within each other. That's the reason that we do this thing. You know? yeah, totally. It's a very spiritual type of movie, like just being in there with Jim and his psychosis in a weird way. Um, and then we watched the Val documentary about sure. Val, which was beautiful, sad, loved every minute of it. Um, uh, and then we piggybacked off of the doors and watched JFK. So we kind of had a <laughs> double feature. That's a long day, so, man. Well, uh, this, that was like the next day that we watched JFK. Fair enough. But, uh, Love JFK, great movie. That and The Doors are my favorite Oliver Stone for sure. JFK um, at one point was one of, if not my very favorite movies, but it was because it was one of the very few VHSs that I had in my possession. Uh, and nice. it was that double, you know, double, double VHS. Yep. Also, it, that movie's bonkers too. It goes to some wild places in the second half. Mm hmm. Uh, but nothing that Jim Garrison wasn't actually trying to prove. But <laughs> like, it's crazy that all of it did go that far. Like trying to exploit Tommy Lee Jones' character's homosexuality, and yeah, it goes to some crazy places for sure. Um, uh, and then I watched a Netflix sports documentary called Malice in the Palace. Oh about, yeah, uh, that one incident where. Uh, like Ron Artest and um, um, uh, what was his name before World Meta Peace? Oh, you know, I only know him as World Meta Peace. So. But uh, like there was a kind of a scuffle on the, the court yeah. and Ron went and laid over on the judges table or the scorers table and a fan threw a, a beer at him. And all there was like a massive fight that erupted in the audience, right. and it's about all of that. I thought it's it's good. It, like it's everything is super interesting about it. I just don't like that they like waste time with showing you a television on a basketball court set up like it's in a home, like in a living room, and showing you a piece of footage on that television screen. I'm like you don't need to do this artsy shit for this documentary. I just want the interview and the footage. You don't need to give me some artsy setup during just it. Just, it. They just it's, did it too much. It's the type of shit I would do if I were trying to solve for resolution problems. You know, if it's going to be shown on some giant ass TVs and it was filmed in like 98 or whenever that was. No, no, no. Cause they'll, they'll show it. Like they'll show like the old news footage normally, but then like still show it on an old TV set. It, it was definitely like an artistic thing they were trying to do. And it just, 
didn't land for me, but Fuck still art. worth the watch. Solid. Document. Okay. Not fuck art then. Yeah, not fuck art. <laughs> Got it. Um, Dave season two. What? Have you, watched, you haven't watched Dave at all? No. Oh man, you really should. It's uh, you know who Lil Dicky is. I am aware of. <laughs> yes. This is, this is a slightly fictionalized version of his up and coming. But it's a show that like talks about modern masculinity in no way that no other show is fucking doing. Okay. And also really pushing the boundaries on humor. Uh, the season finale of season two, the season finale of season one is epic as fuck. It's so good. And then the season two finale directed by Alma Harrell, who did Honey Boy and Bombay Beach. Sure. She crushed this episode. And, she's and directing oh man she's amazing and i like full-on bald in season two season finale uh All right. it, the there's a supporting character named gata who is uh, his real name is gata it's daviante gata okay. uh ganter and uh but him and little dicky really became friends and they just wrote this into the show but how they write him Oh my God, he has a whole, they ha he has many episodes just about him. Mm. And like, uh, oh man, I don't, you should just really watch it. I cannot, I cannot hype it up anymore. Yeah, it sounds really good. I'm definitely going to give it a go. I'm going to put it on later tonight. It's on Hulu, I, I believe. Yeah, 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 it's on. Um, okay, yes, you will love it. I think Max would even like it as well. Yeah, I'm going to force her to watch it. Um, <clears throat> okay watched a 80s movies 80 80s movie called cutter's way with okay. Jeff Bridges and john hurd uh wow. john hurd had um never seen him do a performance like this i know john hurd is the home alone dad and fucking <laughs> and like other random uh, white chicks dad like random things like that and uh so the golden it, years yeah dude he's got long hair he's rocking a fucking eye patch throughout the whole movie he's a veteran that like walks with a uh, a limp and he's so good and we're sitting taylor and i were sitting there watching it halfway through and he go uh i'm like i've never seen john Hurd do anything like this this is incredible and taylor's like i don't know who he is i'm like you know who that is <laughs> that's the home alone dad and he goes shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't talk it, it was such a fun movie great little gritty crime movie well if home alone wasn't enough proof that john Hurt could do anything i guess watch this gritty crime movie from the 80s yeah. um and then the last two are disney movies ryan the last dragon hmm. thoroughly enjoyed it liked it a lot the animation looks solid um um yeah it's like easy watch second one all right cruella oh okay i know you watched it yeah you, I, I i i like it i like it as well the it's way too long it's way it, too long way too for how quick it is like for how quick the scenes flow but like at like an hour and 20 minutes i'm like where's this movie going right now like how much more do we have and i was like shit there's still like 50 minutes 55 minutes left counterpoint if it's moving 
It's not too long. It, it, it's too, it's it's too long. And I do think I said long. that when I uh, brought it up initially. It is yes. too long. But it's got some cool music. Um, Emma Stone is probably one of the best actors of our generation. She's really, really good. And uh, I also now, I like, I've ever since I started seeing him pop up more, but it's grown now that he's become such a like a big character actor. Paul Walter Hauser is yeah. incredible. He's a real <laughs> good actor. He's so interesting to watch. Yeah, uh, any scene he's in for sure, and he can he can legitimately do anything. You know, he's hilarious and yep. can carry the drama. I since I first brought it up, have watched it again, and I still I really like it. I think it's. For I'll probably the, watch it again when Taylor wants to watch it. Fair enough. For the movie that it is forced to be in the time that cinema is existing in, I think it's one of the better examples. Mm-hmm. To touch For, on your, oh no, go touch, ahead. Sorry. To touch on your point about the soundtrack, it like there. It's one of the reasons that the movie is great is because the music is all really great. And that's directing's also really good too. Like Greg Gillespie can like craft some fucking scenes, man. And the production design is incredible. Yeah, the costume design is obviously top notch. It, it it's a great looking movie. It's well shot. I mean, you know, it's it's firing on all cylinders. So mm-hmm. as the thing that it is, I think it's one of the better ones. And as a movie, just generally, I, I yeah, I like it. I, I tend to enjoy. Yeah. Um. Oh fuck! What was I? Gonna, I, I I wish Disney wasn't so like grown so PC about cigarettes because seeing Cruella with a cigarette, like I don't know, it's such an iconic image that I would have loved to see Emma Stone get to don the the cigarette and the holder. I just it's such a cool image to me, but I I understand why they don't do it anymore. Obviously, they're not trying to market cigarettes to kids. And I think Cruella is one of those examples where it kind of looks cool. <laughs> she makes smoking cigarettes look cool. You know what? You're totally right, but I had not thought about it until this very moment and just didn't even miss it at all and didn't still don't care you know yeah, but like hey, now that you say it yeah it would look fucking bad as hell it'd be a cool image you know you add another line to that silhouette it's very striking and mm-hmm. iconic for sure but yeah no that's that's it though right on well that's some movie chit chat should we uh break our jaws about this one here called oh, Breaker? yeah baby so um i don't know overall thoughts detailed minutia where should we start with this thing well let's start with uh three friends kidnap their friend on her birthday shove a jawbreaker in her mouth and when they go to look at her she has swallowed the jawbreaker whole therefore killing her they dump the body and make it look like a sex act gone wrong and shit gets crazy yep that's most of the movie i wanted to tell you to stop right there when you said she swallows the jawbreaker because that image is haunting really upsetting man it's an intense yeah visual it is burned into my head 
ever yeah. since I was a kid. And I was telling my buddy Taylor that we were doing this for the podcast. And he was like, I've never seen that movie, but I remember like flipping on like some random channel and it was on there and it went to that shot of her with the jawbreaker. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. And he changed it. <laughs> doesn't like scary movies. I mean that's fair and it's to this movie's credit that it pulls that move so strongly and so well with such detail and then is not a horror movie at all you know it's just a very designed movie yeah it's a very 90s version of Heathers that is not Heathers like Heathers is a well-crafted movie in my opinion like the scenes flow well there might be some like quicker scenes that don't necessarily need to be in there but the movie as a whole feels really connected and grounded for how for how uh crazy things get this seems very um almost like comic booky like very pop arty and the, the there's not a lot of connective tissue in between the scenes there's a lot of like hard awkward transitions and um I don't know I almost wonder if like he didn't shoot enough or if he like had the film and like was like I didn't like think of how I should transition into these scenes or if there's way more footage that's just cut because what's her face is in it um uh which face which face? I'll, I'll jump in there while you're uh, looking at, at faces um, because I end up in the same place although I yeah I have pretty similar notes actually um, I think this being the director's second film and we'll just dive in and talk about Darren Stein it's maybe one of the first screenplays that he ever wrote he's uh, was apparently shopping this in another movie that uh, that went to Sundance and got some attention at the same time and then got the opportunity to make this. His first movie was called Sparkler. Sparkler. Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen. Yeah. Writer, writer, director. Right. And there's a lot going on in this movie and a lot of really cool stuff and a lot of big ideas that even now in retrospect seem bigger because Uh of some of the players involved. Absolutely. The, he's a kid you know what I mean he's like making his second movie Mm -hmm. it's the first time he has any kind of a budget and I can't help but wonder what this thing would be like in the hands of maybe Amy Heckerling or um, just a a, a more experienced filmmaker is Mm -hmm. kind of what I want here because as as punchy as this movie is I actually want it to punch a little harder And I think, like you said, it's missing connective tissue. I also think some of the framing gets really boring and a little off center at times. Like, I just don't feel like he's even quite on the thirds for hitting just the standard over the shoulders, you know? Mm -hmm. It feels a little TV-ish at times, which is in conflict with the incredible talent that's been assembled here. And... So I'm kind of pitching a different thing now, but I think for me, the problem is in the second, the first half of the second act really slows down, right? Like you set all of these pieces up and then we spend a lot of time getting Judy Greer famous, 
mm-hmm. which is fun stuff, but it's a lot of time there. And we don't need that time. This movie is like, bam, bam, bam. We can yeah, yeah, yeah. just move on, you know? <clears throat> and, and then if Pam Greer comes in as an act turn, right? Instead of kind of a complication towards the end of the movie, if she's in at 20 minutes instead of 40 minutes, the fucking Carol Kane gets some time to like be evasive in an interview and maybe be involved in this mystery a little bit. And yeah, like I feel like there's more of Pam Greer that's cut. I feel like there's more investigation to this story that might be on the cutting room floor. And same with who I was trying to find was Tatiana Ali, who's actually yes. from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like, she's a pretty big actor just coming off of doing Fresh Prince and she's in the background of a lot of shots and only has like two lines of dialogue so I feel like she was a character in the script that got left on the cutting room floor as well I think you're totally right about that there's also um Lisa Robin Kelly is another Uh character that's sort of in this movie but she has like one line at the end of the movie she goes like you <laughs> that that's one good line though. There's another one right before it where like the dude is maybe yelling at Carol Kane and he's just like lame or I don't know what he says, but there's a couple of like lone shouts in this movie that really made me laugh. Um Carol Kane's amazing. I, always, you know, she delivers. Mm-hmm. And this movie mostly delivers. Fern Mayo is a great name for a character and the character yeah. that she is. The goths, the way, I mean, it's, the design is just incredible. The way that the goths are not only per, like very goth, but also very Hollywood goth, but also physically giant compared to everybody else is yeah. a the, damn ass just, choice. We'll just say the, the three leads, the four leads, uh, Rose, Rebecca, Julie, and Judy, all great. They are all like, uh, they are all just terrific. And I remember as a kid, just, I had a huge crush on Rose McGowan from Scream. Sure. But like seeing her in Jawbreaker, I was like, oh my God, she's so gorgeous. And Rebecca Gayhart is too. Uh, and this came out uh, like right after Urban Legend. And I was like, she's really good. She can be a psycho killer and she can be this like really sweet, innocent mean girl. Yeah, totally. The mean, nice girl, one. mean girls before mean girls. Yeah, I read something about the hallway shot in this movie maybe being the same uh, for them walking down the hall in Mean Girls. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Something like that. Yeah, uh, I also was a you know, huge fan of Rose McGowan, especially at this time. And it, in time, <laughs> in time immemorial, I think Judy Greer is so fucking good in every single thing she's ever been in. And she's so good here. And it's like, I, I used to have, I still have this question. It's like, why doesn't Judy Greer star in movies? And uh, here she is starring in a movie. And I just love it. It's awesome. Yeah, she is. I mean, she becomes the star of the movie. She becomes Violet. Violet. Um... I want to talk more about Pam Greer because I love her so much. She's so cool in this movie. <laughs> like, she just like, it's a little Jackie Brownish, but it's more common collective. Like, Jackie goes all over the place for sure because she's the main character and hits a bunch of uh, emotions throughout that movie. Sure. But, like, 
Pam Greer just sitting there like talking to everyone, I could watch. I could watch all of that. <laughs> or Pam Greer just looking at people while they say something stupid and mm-hmm. hardly reacting is more acting than most actors are capable of. Oh man, when she slams the jawbreaker down on the table, ooh, such a great <laughs> moment. There, like, I obviously it's a movie full of women. The women kind of at the outsets of this movie are equally imposing and and figurative, you know, like the teachers and the montage in the beginning have, you know, way bigger energy, but similar to Pam Greer, like they're slamming their fists down on the table and the, the theatrics of everybody involved is so delightful and fun, you know, and outsized. I just love the pompacity of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I want to throw a shout out to uh, PJ Souls. Yeah, exactly. Mrs. This is what Kirk. I'm talking about. PJ yeah. Souls is in this thing. Fucking Halloween royalty, man. <laughs> larger uh, than life. Larger than life. And then another shout out to, uh, uh, oh man, uh, uh, Jeff Conaway, uh, <laughs> Kanicki from Greece playing the dad. And, him singing at the table to uh, <laughs> uh, to Marcy, to Julie Benz. I loved yeah, it. That's good stuff, man. I think we're alone now. <laughs> hey, speaking of great music, the Donna's rule. Yeah, I wrote down the Donna's might be the best prom band ever. <laughs> it's a good one. I feel like, no, I'm talking out of my behind don't listen to me the donnas are the best prom band ever for sure speaking of that prom there is some although it's like really kind of set out of time you know like uh there's some real 90s hair in that gym at the in the last scene oh there's some true like all the guys have true 90s wardrobe the theater nerd wearing a fucking first off that guy's a theater nerd (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't like jocks what's there to not understand uh but it just like his jean jackets and his car his cool ass fucking convertible <laughs> car uh uh another thing i wrote down was this was true 90s writing the phone number on the hand oh love that oh man i hope we haven't lost that as a culture that still happens right no you no, just take out your phone gone, man. yeah <sighs> And when she grabs his hand and takes out a pen and writes it, I'm like, love it. Happy still. (laughs) Wow, you'd have to be a whole ass hipster to pull that off right now. Absolutely. Um, Uh, I also love Peachy Keen. It was totally a part of my vocabulary after watching this movie. And I welcome back its uh, existence into my life. Peachy fucking Keen. Fucking keen. I want to jump back to the car action um, when <laughs> Rose McGowan calls Judy Greer Angeline after she jumps out of the Corvette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you, Angeline? That's a joke yeah. for, I mean, admittedly, millions of people, but not all of America. Just, just Angelinos, really. Like, yeah. not even anyone in like the Inland Empire of LA <laughs> would know who Angeline is. It's definitely meant for like Hollywood. <laughs> They're not talking about Angeline up in Bakersfield. 
no way uh speaking of angeline uh emmy rossum's gonna be playing her in i don't know if it's like a theater movie or going to like hulu or netflix but she's playing her in it she looks great that's a good shout yeah yeah that of course it needs to happen yeah i saw uh saw angeline last time i saw her was like a few like a month before covid she was just driving down beachwood in her mm. fucking pink corvette god bless her yep i hope she never dies um the true hollywood native i got a few things do you have much left of uh, my last note are you ready for it yeah marilyn manson <laughs> We are forced to acknowledge the existence of Marilyn Manson. I, like I said, I think the, the circumstances of this movie take on a really interesting uh, perspective. And I'm not sure exactly what the word I'm looking for there is, but given what we know about uh, her, he, he and Rose McGowan now, and what we knew about them then, and what we knew about the general state of Hollywood, I think is really interesting. And I, I think that's- They were dating at this point, right? Yes. That's my why understanding. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my memory. I guess I had a bigger crush on Rose McGowan than I thought, because I do have knowledge of like that intimate detail of oh, her like, life. I remember like the red carpet that they're on and he's got like the red hair and she's in like a lacy, lacy dress and dark hair and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember that picture also. I think a lot of our generation actually does for some specific reasons now that now that you're walking us down memory lane and and thanks for that. Um, it, it it anyways, it becomes stronger. It's a, a aspect of this movie that be, that gets more interesting, you know, and I think it's interesting at the time and yeah, that's worth pointing out, man. It's a real actually- success. I actually do have two more notes. Okay. Uh, the first one being when you see Violet on the hood of the car rocking out. Uh, yeah. Just so ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> and if so, you know that school, that right there is not a parking space. Everyone keeps pulling up on the fucking sidewalk there. I have, <laughs> I have that note written down in two different places. No, let me check. It's actually three different places. Okay, we need to talk about the parking spot directly next to the front door of their school. No, but what's up with the parking lot at this school? <laughs> hey, uh, and then the Angeline thing. I have three different notes about the parking lot in this school because that's what I have to say about it. It's the crazy. Lot. It, they use that school in lots of stuff. It's even in like, it's the high school in Pineapple Express where he goes to visit his high school girlfriend Jesus. uh but yeah, uh it, it is a beautiful location there's a reason that they use it a lot it's just really bonkers the way they use the hell out of this parking lot i agree like they had one no day one gets the par- if that parking spot is open if that's a real parking spot and it's just open like that that That's would be the principal by a faculty member. Yeah, not absolutely. the faculty. It's like reserved for the superintendent. Now, the science teacher does not get to park there, man. You have to be the fucking dean to park there. It's crazy what's going on. At the and I just realized, where did her Corvette come from? Where, where did, did it go to? Corvette? 
where did the the plot line with the boyfriend like it's yeah. <laughs> there's some oh. misses for sure just because it asks it 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 like i said it's not punching quite hard enough for me to believe that it's unreality it's uh-huh. it's still grounded a little bit in our world and i need it to be just if, go ahead no no i know what you're saying i know what you're saying uh, like my last note but like for how grounded it is it does like some absurd shit like this, my last note is in the beginning when Rose McGowan looks at the jock and he wiggles his tongue at her and it makes that uh, blah, 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 sound. Yeah. It's like, why, why add that sound effect? <laughs> or earlier when he's blowing the popsicle, well, she's blowing him. That's yeah. insane. It's great. It's like a big ass choice. My critique we kind of said it earlier it's the connective tissue i think it's some of the framing i i think it's even the way that music is used where it ends up feeling a lot of soundtrack instead of a lot of score you know what i mean like if it were willing to go a little more a little i've said it you know just a little bit more and i think it would have landed a little tighter here and i think i would understand more these are soft critiques for what i think is a pretty strong movie i actually really like it man i i'm positive on i'm 100 percent all in on this movie i watch it probably once a year usually maybe two times a year it's just like an easy pop on for me yeah (laughs) fair enough i really like the ending the Mm -hmm. that kind of crazy you know dolly shot through the gym with the flowers and the and her father, uh, yeah, that's that's where it's achieving. You know what I mean? And I guess the movies, it's the climax of the film. But I think if we were if if we were kind of at that tone a little more, or a little earlier, uh huh. I don't know. I you know it does it does crazy things. It just it's it is a little uneven for me. I guess is what I'm gonna say. Absolutely. I will say one more thing that I really like about it, which is the thing that gets repeated about the motive for locking up Marilyn Manson, which is her line, Rose McGowan, they'll believe it because it's their worst nightmare. That's a really important observation about humanity. And I think it's pretty well-spoken here. I agree. Yeah, just that, yeah, that, that line says it all. I, uh, last thing I'll say is that they seem to have put that picture of her at the very end crying in their yearbook. And that's how yeah. this movie ends. <laughs> the movie opens with the yearbook too, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep, that's how it ends. It goes wild. 